Shoreline City, you guys fired up for today or what? You guys ready to go? I know I am. Hey, we are one church, but today we have five locations because Mockingbird Station is here. We love you so, so much. I'm so excited about today. We got new family members over there. I have already heard great reports. I'm getting texts, uh, I mean, on the, I mean, immediately. They're just coming, they're just coming, they're just coming. So, so glad everyone is there with us today. And everyone who's at North Dallas, Oak Cliff, obviously White Rock, Antigua, we are in for a fantastic treat today. I'm believing that God's going to do something great in our hearts and our lives. You ready for that? Are you ready? I want you to have high expectations the Dallas Cowboys are already 2-0, so things are moving the right direction. God is moving. <laughs> so we're trusting that today's message will be a great one, uh, too. If you're with us for the first time, I do want you to know we love you and we care about you already. We honestly have been praying for you. And asking for God to do something significant and wonderful in your heart and in your life. So I, I want you to feel at home. I want you to feel like you're with some people that genuinely care about you because we actually do. Uh, we, well, we're all first-time guests at one point in time. This church is still a baby church. And we remember what it's like to go to a place maybe where you don't know anyone. And we just want you to know we feel like we know you already. And want to do everything we can to keep rolling out the red carpet for you. So I want you to just have your hearts wide open and trust that God's really going to speak to you. He knows you by name and brought you, he, uh, brought you today for a reason, for a purpose. And I'm glad we get to be a part of your story. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Mark uh, chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. We've been in a series called Mobilize. We're trying to get ready in 2019 for all that God wants to do in 2020 and beyond. And this is very, very important to us because we believe God's not done with us yet. And by us, I don't just mean Shoreline City. I mean us, the people, us, the, every individual, every family represented, every man, every woman, young and old, whatever color, whatever, uh, wherever you're from in the world, we believe that God is not done with you yet. Mark chapter 11, uh, verse number one, all the way through verse number six. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Everybody say, untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it. We'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, Hey, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. The title of today's message is, There Must Be More. There Must Be More. I almost titled it, There Must Be More Than This Provincial Life, because I'm a big Beauty and the Beast fan, but I decided, I decided not to go there. I didn't want you to lose any respect for me, but I know every song, every song. I actually know every word of the movie, uh, but I'm not, I'm not going to go into that right now. We're going to continue to jump into these scriptures, and I'm glad I actually said something kind of funny right there, because I'm about to say some stuff that's not funny. Uh, okay, I, I, I was uh, wrestling uh, with this whole series, and, and today what we're going to be talking through 
because this idea of tide we have talked about over the last couple of weeks. Uh, if you're with us for the first time, you, you may not know this unless you hopped on our app or, or caught a message on YouTube, but, but we've talked about being tied. We talked about Lazarus a, a couple of weeks ago. We, uh, last week, we, we had this, this garden hose here. We talked about that thing being tied up and what God wants to do to untie us. So we've had this theme of, of tying, and, and I, I want to dig into it a little bit more. Uh, and there's a lot of areas where we can be tied, but, but I want to I dig into four areas that I think that I think God has laid on, on my heart for our church family, for our community of faith, where He wants us to be untied. So I, I just got. I, I hope you. I hope you trust me a whole bunch, okay? Because I genuinely love you. I, I want no shame. I want no 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 guilt, no condemnation. That's not how we share things here. I just want all of us to be better, me included. I'm trying to be better. So so let me let me dig into this for just a second. Just a second. First area where we can be tied is finances. Finances. Okay? Um, this is not a message on tithing. Some of you are like, oh my goodness, I brought my friend for the first time. I'm about to talk about money. <laughs> no, don't let this be the time we talk about money in church with my friend here. I, I, I understand that feeling when I invite people and I'm like, what are you going to talk about today, Earl? Oh my goodness, talking about money. Uh, we, we don't talk about this a, a ton here but it's something that needs to be talked about, okay? The reality is you and I can't really do many things without it, okay? As far as uh, it goes buying and selling in this day and age. Money is not evil, okay? It's not. It's amoral. It takes on the temperament and the nature of whoever is holding it. So if you're stingy, your money's stingy. If you're generous, your money's generous. Money is not evil in and of itself. The Bible doesn't even say money's evil. That's misquoted all the time. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, okay? So it's, it's a necessary commodity. And when you read through the New Testament, you see that Jesus even used it, okay? So it's not evil. But man, it has tied many of us up. The pursuit of it. The gain of it, right now in America, there's $4.1 trillion of consumer debt. It's credit cards, and student loans, and car loans. And what I know is we want to be generous, okay? We want to be generous. But a lot of us are just flat out broke. We're just strapped. We are, we're, we're floating month to month, carrying the, the fear and the pressure of can I pay my bills this month? What, what am I going to do with retirement? And you're like, hey, I'm 22 years old. I'm not thinking about retirement. Well, not all of us are 22. Some of us are old. <laughs> Some of us are thinking about what, what, what's it going to look like later. Some of us are wondering, if something bad happens, will I even have any reserves to handle my refrigerator going out, my car breaking down, just fighting to make needs uh, ends meet? And there's so much weight and pressure on our brain. Will I be able to pay for school? If, my, if something happens with my parents, what, will they be able to help me out? If they lose their house, where am I going to live? <laughs> 
There's so much financial strain. It has a lot of us tied up. Okay, okay, that was the first one. That was the first one. Next one I'm going to go to. Relationships. Relationships. Man, honestly, I could talk the whole time about finance. I could talk the whole time about relationships, too. Okay, and some of you are like, okay, don't talk about my boyfriend. Uh, I brought him to church for the first time today. Mind your business. <laughs> I know he's not serving the Lord, but I'm winning to Jesus uh, one day at a time. I encourage you. <laughs> Not to do that. It doesn't always work out that well. I uh, was texting with our oldest son uh, not too long ago, and uh, I, I sent him a text. I said, son, um, uh, one day, one day you, you, you may be married, and that's going to be the most important decision you make outside of your relationship with God. Who you marry will have everything to do with your mental health, your emotional health, your financial health. It will have everything to do. I don't care if the person is the most beautiful person in the entire world. If they are aggravating, annoying, and selfish, you won't want to live with them. Fine, don't cover up ugly, okay? I'm just telling you, it does not. After a while, you go, oh, my gosh, I'll trade you in. I'll trade you in right now. You and I, you and I, our relationships, they have so much to do with the health of our lives. And I, I, want, I want to say this. You're going to have some friends in your life, I told my son this, that you need to pull up. Some friends, that they're just struggling. They don't believe well. They don't, they don't, they don't dream big. Um, they look down on themselves. Maybe they just want to kind of go through the motions of life. Uh, one day, marijuana will probably be legal in Texas, too. And one day, they're just going to want to smoke weed all day, every day. Is that too real for some of y'all? It's happening in our world. They're just going to want to sit around, have the munchies, and just kind of chill out and just exist. You can have some friends like that. I, I get it. You, you have them when you go back to your family reunions. You have them when you go back to the old neighborhood you were raised in, and they are still your Facebook friend and still trying to hunt you down. We all have some individuals like that in our lives. I get that. You're going to have some pull-up friends. When all of your friends are pull-up friends, friends you have to pull up, it weighs on you. Parker, you got to have some, I told my son this, you got to have some keep-up friends. Got to have some friends you need to keep up with, some friends that push you, some friends that just think bigger than you think, some friends that are praying bigger prayers than you pray, some friends in your life that they're not thinking about getting C's, but they're thinking about getting A's, and they're not just thinking about coasting through life, they're thinking about conquering life. You got to have some friends in your life that are interested in trying to go somewhere, and this is not just true for a 14-year-old, this is also true for a 54-year-old as well. You need to have some friends in your life, you're like, man, they make me better. When I'm around them, I want my marriage to be better. When I'm around them, I want my thought life to be better. When I'm around them, I want my speech to change. When I'm around them, I just want to step into the best version of myself with the grace and the power that God provides. Relationships, relationships. They are, they are probably the single most important thing to determine your, your health and your well-being in this life. Okay, okay, the, 
those two, those were, let's say those were skimming the surface. Okay? Because this third one, I've got some stats for you. This third one is porn. Porn, okay? We're, to, we're talking about being tied. Talking about being tied. And I know, I know, in a church, our size, with people from as many different backgrounds as we have, we are battling this secret sin. Okay, I got, I got some stats that kind of shocked me, okay? It, some, some, honestly, some of them shocked me. 50% of pastors view porn on a regular basis. Pastors. Those who are tasked to lead the people of God towards the heart of God, to be a reflection of Jesus, 50%. One out of three women under 25 search for porn at least once a month. 68% of church-going men view porn on a regular basis. 56% of divorces in America involve one party having an, an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. 94% of children have seen porn by the age of 14. The porn industry's annual revenue is more than Major League Baseball, MB, the NBA, and the NFL combined. Combined. It is poison. And it's destroying hearts and minds and self-esteem and is messing with the imago Dei, the image of God. You and I were made in the image of God, and this porn distorts it. Again, no shame. Okay, no shame, no guilt. I don't want any condemnation here, but I do want you to think, Lord, I want my heart to be in alignment with your truth, your way, your word. I remember, I've, I've shared this with you guys. I, I, I know what this battle is like. I know. I, I, I've been in this. One. I've been tied by porn, me personally. I remember that. I remember being in those chains. I'm thankful for the grace of God that, that he's brought me out. I'm thankful for the grace of God that it's been about 21 years since I last looked at pornography. I'm so, so thankful for that. You can be free. You can be free. You can be free. Okay, okay, let me go to my next one. Let me go to my next one. Let me go to my next one. I, I, we're going to dig into these a little bit more in depth later. Okay, right now, I'm just, I'm just hitting them. I'm just hitting them. Okay, so we've got finances. We've got relationships. We've got porn. And what's another thing that has us tied? Fear and anxiety. <sighs> if I'm honest, I, I would say a Xanax and a glass of wine has become the new rod and staff of our generation. And Psalm 23 says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In today's day and age, it's, it's just shifted. 
it's, 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 just, it's just shifted. And we, we have succumbed and said, okay, uncle, you can have us, world. You, you can have our emotions, you can have our minds, you can have our peace. And we come to church many times on a weekend for another hit. Like, let, just, give me, just give me that feeling one more time, but we leave church and go back to a life that's filled with anxiety and misery and brokenness. Please understand, I, I am all for uh, going to counseling. I am all for getting a prescription from a doctor. You, you do what you need to do, please. But I do believe for every single one of us, God is wanting us to walk with peace that surpasses all understanding. And it's a fight for a lot of us. And some of us, if you don't have this struggle, you're like, hey, what's your big deal? Just get over it. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. What's your problem? Uh, because you don't have that problem. You don't understand what it's like to be in that problem. So I just encourage you, don't throw stones at anyone that is crippled with fear and anxiety and is not able to take steps forward. Because what that fear and anxiety does is it hinders you from, from being able to fulfill the plan and the purpose that God has on your life. The enemy is trying to stop you from being who God has called you to be. So in our day and age, I think the, the stat I have here is anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S., affecting over 40 million adults, ages 18 and older. I don't have time to go into social anxiety disorder, panic attacks, post-traumatic stress disorder, all the different things that are out there. I, I'm just trying to share with you here some things that have us tied. Again, no shame, no guilt, but, but how did we get here? Uh, how, how, how did this happen? I'm not a cultural anthropologist. I, I'm just a pastor, right? I'm just somebody that's on this journey trying to trust God to shape my heart and life. And I'm trying to be here to serve and help as many people see this glorious cross of Jesus Christ. So I don't dare uh, propose to be perfect. And I'm not saying I have it all together. But I do think there are some things that maybe we've gotten off track on. And God is trying to help us get our eyes back where our eyes need to be. First and foremost, the question I want to ask is who's your Lord. Who's your Lord? Who's your Lord? Who's your Lord? I'm reading a book right now called The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. It's one of my favorite books. If you ever want a book that's going to push you in your relationship with Jesus Christ, read it. And I'm going to read something. Uh, it's a lot of words here, but I'm just going to read it all. I'm just going to read it all. You guys with me for just a second? Because I, I liked how he put it. So I, I, I'm just, just going to read it. I'm just going to read it. Before the Lord God made man upon the earth, he first prepared for him by creating a world of useful and pleasant things for his sustenance and delight. In the Genesis account of the, cre of, of the creation, these are called simply things. They were made for man's uses, but they were meant always to be external to the man and subservient to him. 
In the deep heart of the man was a shrine where none but God was worthy to come. Within him was God, without a thousand gifts which God had showered upon him. But sin has introduced complications. But, but sin has introduced complications and has made these very gifts of God a potential source of ruin to the soul. Our woes began when God was forced out of his central shrine and things were allowed to enter. Within the human heart, things have taken over. Men have now by nature no peace within their hearts. For God is crowned there no longer. But there, in the moral dusk, stubborn and aggressive usurpers fight amongst themselves for first place on the throne. Things. The reality is we all have a Lord. Every one of us. I don't care. People are like, I'm not religious. You don't have to be religious to have a Lord. Who's running your life? Well, I'm running my life. Okay, cool. Then you're your Lord. Who's running your life? Your job could be running your life. Your ambitions could be running your life. Your boyfriend or your girlfriend could be running your life. Heck, I've got a four-year-old. Sometimes I feel like she's running my life. It can be a host of different things that can be running our lives, but someone, someone is Lord of your heart and mine. Someone is on the throne, and every heart has a throne, and every heart has someone or something on it. And the question that you and I have to ask ourselves, and I cannot answer this for you, you answer this for you. Who is Lord in your life? And if it's you, or if it's money, or if it's sex, or if it's your friends, or if it's popularity, or if it's fame or whatever it is, that's who you're worshiping. That's who you're worshiping. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, friends. I, I know people who are on their way to heaven but have a different Lord on their heart other than Jesus. Because I prayed a prayer one day, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going after God. And then somewhere along the way, some other things get in there, and they get our eyes off track. And maybe we think we have to live our lives for the pleasure of humanity, and we are on the stage for everybody else to applaud instead of understanding that the God of heaven is looking down saying, you're my son, you're my daughter. I love you. I'm well pleased with you. You don't have to perform for the world. I've already validated you. Stop selling yourself out for things that are temporary. And instead, live for the eternal. We've all got a Lord. We've all got one. We've all got one, okay? We've all got one. Just got to ask yourself, where are you spending your time? Where are you spending your money? Got to ask yourself, who are you living for? Got to ask yourself, who can take your joy? Got to ask yourself, what lifts your heart? All of us have a Lord. Maybe, maybe this is where we've, we've gotten off. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's not your, your, your issue at all. Maybe it's your language. Maybe it's your language. What, 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 what's, what's your language? I was, uh, I was uh, flying on a plane and I stumbled on a random video that James Cameron was doing. I don't know, some documentary about like aliens. I don't know. And sometimes I like random things. So... He's going through and he's talking about 
uh, and he's interviewing all these people uh, about, about aliens, and, and he's talking about this movie, Arrival. I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, okay? Uh, you can see it. I won't give it away. Um, you just got to be creative, okay, to enjoy it. You got, and I'm creative, so I enjoyed it. <laughs> Kidding. I was watching the movie. I'm like, okay, okay, I got some friends that I think they're going to love this movie here, but I just need somebody to be blown up right now. That's what I need. I need Rambo. I need Rambo Last Blood. That's what I need. <laughs> Ghost of Hester Stallone. That guy's still making movies. He's at 148 years old. I'm incredibly proud of him. <laughs> So, so I'm, I'm, watching, I'm watching Arrival, and, and it's about uh, language, it's about talking. And, and, he, and James Cameron or someone in the film brings up uh, this uh, Sapir-Whorf hypothesis. M maybe you've never heard this. I, I hadn't, but I, but I wrote it down immediately because I, I, found, I found it interesting. And, and it's this, your language creates habits of speech and those habits of speech translate into habits of thought. So it's like your language makes you habitually think in certain ways. And that impacts how you see the world. I, I grabbed this quote from one of the people that was on, the, uh, uh, on this documentary. He says, language informs and shapes our life. Language that we recycle in our world shapes our reality and for many of us can be our own prison. Your language. Your language. This is how the Bible says it. In Proverbs chapter 18, verses 20 through 21. From the fruit of their mouth a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. What's your language? This is why we're trying to tell our 14-year-old, don't live with the standards of the day saying just boys will be boys. I don't like that. Don't say to my son, boys will be boys. I believe there's another identity that's been put on the inside of him. It's been shaped and formed into the character of Christ. And he does not have to live like everyone else lives and doesn't have to do what everyone else does. And this whole boys will be boys, I think we keep seeing all of the ripple effect of that mindset. Men thinking they can do what they want to do with somebody who would be my daughter one day. It's not boys will be boys. No, I, I believe when you give your heart and your life to Jesus, you are made brand new. And yes, it does not mean you're perfect, but you don't have to live like the whole world lives. What's your language? I want to help your language. 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 What are you saying about yourself? It's no wonder that some people keep living in the same prison because they keep speaking about the prison over and over and over and over again. When you wake up, you talk about the prison. When you're at, when you're at work, you talk about the prison. When you go to bed, you're talking about the prison. When you're writing in your journal, you're talking about the prison. And I get that we've got to be real, but there comes a point in time that we've got to speak the word of God into every situation that we are in. 
and God has something that he's saying about you. God has something that he's saying about you as a single woman or a single man. He has something that he's saying about your marriage. He has something that he's saying about your thought life. And I just want to encourage you to grab a hold of what God is saying about you and you say what God says about you. This is not just some hocus pocus stuff here, my friends. God has wired our brains and our bodies to function and to work this way. Leverage what God has given us for his glory and our good. Language, 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 language. Last, last. Uh, what, else, what else maybe has gotten us here is where we're looking. Where we're looking, where we're looking, where we're looking, where we're looking. Yes, I'm a preacher, so everything started with an L. It just had to, had, to, had to work that way. Lord, language, looking, looking, looking. Where, where, where are you looking? Jesus uh, says these words in, in, in Matthew chapter 6, 22 through 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, if your eyes are healthy, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Where are you looking? Where are you looking? Where are you looking? Where are you, where's your gaze? Hebrews, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's what I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking unto Jesus. He, he's my guide. He, he's, my, he's my direction. He's the one that informs how I live and, and where I go and what I say yes to and what I say no to. And, and, and that does not mean I, I live in some cage. I'm actually living as a free man or a free woman at that point in time. Can, can, I, can I say this? Can I say this uh, uh, real quick? Um, we, we wanted to, I want to make sure I give some handles for all of this stuff. So this is, this is what I'm, I'm going to do. We, we already have our connect groups, okay? So, so whether you're at Mockingbird Station, uh, whether you're north, whatever campus you're at, we, we've got connect groups. And these are just small groups of people where we go from sitting shoulder to shoulder and we transition to sitting face to face where we can talk with each other and go, hey, when he's talking about finances, yeah, that was me. When he's talking about relationships, yeah, that was me. When he's talking about porn, yeah, that was me. When he's talking about all, all, all fear and anxiety, yeah, that is me. And you're in a space where no one's trying to beat you over the head, where people, instead of trying to point you to Jesus Christ saying, hey, I've struggled there too. Let's walk through this thing together and let's trust God to give us every ounce of strength and peace that we need. I want a church that's not wearing masks. I want a church that is mask free. I want a church that's living in freedom. I want a church that's living free from shame and guilt and condemnation. That happens. That happens face to face. Happens face to face. But I also thought, man, we got these connect groups. Hey, I'm going to be preaching. I'm going to preach the word. I'm going to try to preach the word. I'm going to try to come at things that maybe people might not normally want to come at, but I'm going to come at these things. But also, but also I'm going to do some master classes as well. And what we're going to do, what we're going to do uh, in October, November, and December, we're going to have each of these things we talked about. We're going to have some master classes on them. As a matter of fact, I want to, I want to throw this out there for those who might be struggling in porn, with porn. And maybe, maybe you're the spouse or you're the girlfriend or you're the boyfriend of somebody that's wrapped in this. And you're feeling like you're less than, like you're not enough. On October 4th and 5th at Northwest Bible Church, it's a wonderful church in Dallas. They have a conference going on called Pure Desire. I want you to go. Sign up for that. Go, go. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be amazing and wonderful. Get some tools, some, some practical insight to help you get out of this cycle of bondage that you may be in. People that have walked through this, it's all wrapped around to help individuals that have walked through sexual issues and addiction and primarily pornography. I want to help you with that. 
but here at our church. Right now, I'm planning on the first Wednesday of every month in October, November, December. That's what I'm planning on, um, but we'll let you know. Uh, but we're going to have just some master classes. Uh, relationships will be in one room, and then in another room, we'll have finances. In another room, we're going to have uh, fear and anxiety. Just kind of talk through some things. Give some people some more tools, some more, some more handles that we need so that we can keep becoming all that God wants us to become. We've got financial peace which is a, a small group. We've got a couple of those groups. We've got Good Sense, which is another small group around finances. These are, these are connect groups that are meeting. You can go to our website. All of this stuff is on there. What we're trying to do is by the time we get to the end of 2019, all I see in my head are a whole bunch of chains that have fallen off of people. I see a church. I see a church standing tall with people who have chains down by their feet. Because God has freed them, untied them. Like that cult we read about in Mark chapter 11. Disciples going in and untying someone that Jesus had need of. Jesus has need of you. He has need of you. And he is still in the business of untying. And there is not one thing you and I are battling that is greater than his grace and his power. The cross and the empty tomb are already an, an, an announcement that God is bigger and stronger than every single thing you and I will ever face. So don't let fear or anxiety be your motivator. Don't let shame be your motivator. Let the love of God that's displayed in the cross of Jesus Christ be your motivator to become all that God has called you to be. Because there is more. There is so much more that God has in store for every single one of us. Can you clap your hands and say amen with me, church family? Hey, I want to ask you to do me a favor at all of our locations. Do me a favor, bow your heads for just a moment. I ask you to bow your heads not because it's mystical or magical, but just so that you can focus for just a second. If you're under the sound of my voice and you have never given your heart and your life to Christ, you've never made him first, you've never made him number one, if you're honest, you would say, he's not the Lord of my life. He's not in charge. Maybe your education is. Maybe your marriage is. Maybe football is. Maybe your own insecurities are. But you're under the sound of my voice. You're saying, I don't want, I don't want anybody else to be the Lord of my heart anymore. I want Jesus to be Lord. I want him to be first. I'm not asking, were you baptized at some point in time? I'm not asking, do you have a Bible? I'm, I'm asking, is Jesus Christ number one in your heart and in your life? And if he's not, this is your moment where he is knocking on the door of your heart saying, son, daughter, time to come on home. It's time for you to surrender your life to me. Or maybe you gave your heart to Christ at one point in time, but you slipped away and you've gone another direction. On the count of three, I want you to do something simple, but something incredibly bold. On the count of three, I literally want you to throw your hand in the air if you're at any of our locations and say, yes, 
that's me. I want to give my heart and my life to Christ. Ready? One, two, three. Just put your hand in the air. You're saying, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to make him first. I want to make him number one. I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go his way. I'm going to ask everyone to do me a favor. Put your hand over your heart if you would not mind. Every person at every campus. And I want you to repeat these words out loud after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's lift our heads up. Come on at all of our locations. Clap your hands.